I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Hello and welcome from Warsaw, Bratislava and Magdeburg. My name is Mark. And I'm David and you are listening to the Check Your Facts podcast, a podcast by us journalists, for you journalists and uh, basically about journalism. And if you're not a journalist, then you're all welcome as well. You have to switch it off right now. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully no, not. Hopefully not. So how have you been, Mark? Oh, it was... Um quite busy weeks as as you know because we talked a lot like on messages uh there was the federal elections here in germany which were big and there was so much to do and as uh, i know you probably had a lot to do as well did you yes we were both busy and uh you guys listening to us uh i guess you were wondering what what happened to us because we went silent for almost three weeks right um, when this po uh, episode will come out, it will be almost one month of silence from us, I guess. So, and that that's all due to our busyness, <laughs> and 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 both and both and uh, to to the guests actually, um, uh, which were also busy. Uh, so we were scheduling a lot of guests. If I'm counting right, it is like six or seven guests. We are like trying to schedule at the moment and they all said like we are busy can you come back to us in october in november in december uh, or yeah yeah the, the best <laughs> best best uh, reply was i guess uh, january 2018 yeah it seems to be quite a busy time for uh, like being a journalist a digital journalist <laughs> um but with everything going on in the world um it's a fine excuse if you have to work yeah i guess so but anyway we have a really wonderful guest today yes. actually the second guest from poland and i'm really glad about this because poland is a like a great big country and i don't know how about you mark but i'm i'm still fascinated to finding out how much like great journalism and media stuff is going on there absolutely absolutely and because it's our neighbor country i'm always looking like to poland and um, look what they are doing and how they manage all the stuff around um, government and how the digital media change is going on there. So I'm really glad um, that we have another guest from Poland. Yes, very much. And with that being said, I would really love to welcome Beata Biel from uh, from Poland. So hello, hello. Good to hear you both. Yeah, it's uh, it would have almost been the case that we would have m uh, met each other in Budapest at the News Impact Summit. But you couldn't make it, and that's such a shame, because it would have been wonderful. Yeah, I couldn't, and I really, we really wanted to go. I, w I think I was one of the first people to register for the event, but then, unfortunately, I was not able to come. So that's we need to shame. meet virtually. I mean, I met, I know uh, David, we met yes. in person, but otherwise, virtual can be fun as well. <laughs> Yes, that's why we're doing the podcast, because it's so, ni so nice to meet people, even virtually, and get to know what happens in their countries, in their agencies, in their media outlets, in their newsrooms, and whatsoever. So, before we start like digging into the stuff we want to talk uh, to you about, would you please yeah, like tell your story of how you got into journalism, what you did the years before you, uh, you did what you do now, and how it is that... You have like 
that you are who you are right now in digital journalism? Um, so my adventures with the media started in 2001, totally accidentally, because I never really wanted to be a journalist. I, I, went, I went to the university to study journalism, but I was more into communications and PR. But still, I had to do some internship, and I went to one of the newsrooms at TVN. And instead of staying there for uh, one month, I stayed for nine years and a half. So this was the beginning. Um, I got pulled into journalism, investigative journalism mainly, because that was the team I was working on. Uh, I worked at TVN as a reporter, but also I was the editor and I was the, um, uh, the head of research, research departments. So that was the beginning. And um, I also had a chance to do a documentary series and it was a lot of fun. But then in 2010, I realized that uh, I'm getting stuck and I'm not proceeding with my career, not developing myself, that I cannot do any more of the stories I would like to do. So I went into freelancing, which was quite a challenge, uh, but actually a very good one. Uh, so I worked as a freelancer for over four years, uh, which was a lot of fun. I managed to do, I think that during that time, I managed to do the best journalistic stuff I ever did. And it was also TV things, mainly documentary series again. And uh, then I started teaching journalism, but not in universities, but rather at different courses. And... Um, then Google reached out to me, um, asking if I would like to, to uh, run for a position at the company at Google News Lab, which I tried and it worked out. I got the job to work with Google News Lab and for a year and a half, I was uh, a media training specialist for them with a central and Eastern Europe. So uh, meeting newsrooms and journalists uh, from uh, the region. And currently, uh, from September, I'm working at TVN, back at uh, the home, uh, the mother company. Um, and I will be working on their new project uh, on creating a platform, a crowdsourced platform for fighting fake news. So this is a very fresh thing. And uh, my another uh, professional leg, so to say, is working with a foundation that is dedicated to investigative journalism, um, creating content, teaching journalists, uh, teaching students, and I'm a media training specialist there as well. So this is me. This is where I am. This is where I came from. Uh, actually, all the life, like 16 years, uh, always in journalism. That's nice. <laughs> That's, That's nice. long. It's long, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's and I'm not years. 100 I mean... years, so I'm, I'm pretty young <laughs> still, but... Um, yeah. yeah. All the light. Oh, there. guys, 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 Beata is like really, really looks really young. <laughs> she looks so, really so. young. <laughs> it's, <laughs> because it's, it's not polite to ask for age, no. so I can only say 38. You look really young. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. 38, but true. Uh, journalism didn't make me very old, although it's a tough job and you can get your gray hair pretty quickly, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's there's a lot to unpack there, but w one thing just you said we met and we met actually because you came as a Google News Lab trainer to our newsroom uh and 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 talked to, you know, uh, a bunch of our my colleagues about uh, uh the tools uh, Google has for journalists because, you know, because of of the 
I guess the Google News Lab is kind of also showing the the tools Google have and how uh, journalists can use it. But uh, but anyway, um, may, maybe a question you don't want to uh, answer. But uh, uh, how how or why did you uh, came back to the to the media? Um, this is not n- nothing to hide. First of all, my contract ended, uh, and we didn't prolong it. Both of the sides, and uh, why? Because journalism has always been deep inside of me, and it's really hard to get rid of it. And even when I worked at Google, I actually, although it was a very time-consuming work, I traveled a lot. I managed to do a documentary series during that time. Uh, what are the weekends for? To uh, yeah, so I did that one. And actually, currently, I'm not really that much in journalism, like not typical. I'm just going to run and uh, the project, uh, but it's the media. So I think like. I will stay in the media for the rest of my life, no matter what the form will be. And Google, also the fun with Google was that it actually was still working with the media or in the media landscape. So I don't think it's like a huge change, although of course it is. Yeah, that's actually my second question because you traveled a lot around, I guess it was... uh... Uh, Central and Eastern Europe mm-hmm. mainly, yes. right? Yes, mainly. And so, so you met a lot of journalists. You've been inside the newsrooms. I guess you heard a lot of issues. We really love to talk in this podcast about the issues in journalism. Uh, and so, so could could you tell us something about this? Like, uh, what what were the like the like what have you seen, and what's what your what's your take uh, on that? Sure, there's a lot of it because I was always laughing that I was like a priest that people were coming and saying all the, maybe not sins, but all the things they are worried about. So I know everything about the media in the region. I'm always laughing. No, but um, a couple of uh, takes I have is, first of all, there is a growing need to develop within the media in the region. Uh, But it goes along with big frustration. So people want to do stuff like the Western media are doing, uh, people want to do data journalism or learn how to do data journalism. They want to do great interactive stories. They dream of innovating, but then there is the money issue. There is the frustration coming in some countries like Hungary, the issue of political influence and no one's actually in the publishers thinking about innovating. So this is one of the things that journalists um, journalists truly want to innovate. Like even the journalists who usually don't think technology, they see, oh, I have this good story. We could do it in such an interesting, interactive way, but then no one knows how to do it in the newsroom and there's no money to hire anyone. So this is one of the things. And um, this was also often coming up when we talked uh, about newsrooms applying to DNI, Google's DNI fund for innovation. The journalists were always saying, why should we run? We will never be as innovative as the Western media, which is not the case. Like innovation is imagination and uh, everyone has it. So this is one of the things. Uh, Then there are some like national differences. Poland is a lot about clickbaits. So you come, I came to the newsroom and very often the first question was, will you teach us how to do search optimization, how to write titles and stuff? And this is what I was not teaching for, uh, and I was also not teaching analytics. Uh, but in Polish newsrooms, this is more visible than in any other newsrooms. Uh, then in Romania, for example, um, Romania is a great country and the Balkans as well. 
for investigative journalists. Uh, I think like many countries should learn from the region there. But Romania is also a very specific country. So the digital knowledge is pretty low in most of the country. Um, so I had those moments when I got totally frustrated. So I was coming to teach their local newsrooms. And um, out of two hours of workshop, uh, I realized that I need to do four hours uh, of basic skills, like basic, really basic digital skills. Uh, and that made me frustrated. But then on another day, I was meeting a guy who was working with machine learning and trying to put that into journalism. So this is, um, Romania is a country of huge differences and uh, contrasts also in the, uh, in the media. Uh, I actually would say even that the further you go to the, the north, you know, the newsrooms are getting better and better and more and more innovative. Uh, it's not because I'm Polish. Uh, I'm actually very patriotic when it comes to the region, but the Polish media are, I guess, most innovative. And um, very often I heard we would like to learn from the Polish media. Um, Talking about media, it's not just digital. For example, Polish television uh, is an example for many of the for the televisions in the south. And uh, here is also in the television, there's a lot to be done. Like you go to Serbia, and uh, most of the TV stations are still not in HD, and the way they create television is so 2005, I would say. Uh, then another intake is that we don't toss. Uh, in the region we don't talk journalism and we don't talk the future of the media uh, and I know that many people hate academic discussions but sometimes out of academic discussions really cool things are being born but in the region we don't discuss that so therefore there are very few conferences about media and journalism there are very few possibilities to learn from others this is changing a bit but still um, journalists are not taught uh, that they should uh, develop. So when you do trainings for the media people or conferences, who you usually meet there are people from NGOs, not from the media. And uh, some other stuff, uh, journalism schools are doing pretty poor. Uh, they don't teach good skills. They're mainly teaching like, you know, literature and theory, which is very bad. Um, so, yeah, some of the things are pretty pessimistic uh, and also the media freedom and um, how the media are being curbed in some of the countries. But overall, I believe that this need of journalists to work in better media, like if even if better media means only for them a better lay layout for their websites, that's already quite, um, quite much. And uh, I think there is a bright future. Um, and also if we re realize um, that the region has a meaning, that, uh, you know, there are so few initiatives. Uh, think of any initiative from the Visegrad region, uh, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia or Hungary. Uh, we don't have those, uh, which we're going to, is going to change soon because I know there is a new initiative starting soon. Uh, but other than that, our newsrooms don't work together. Collaboration is not a thing, both between newsrooms and between countries. I think this is, unfortunately, our communist legacy that uh, we will not work together because somebody might steal our idea. But I hope it will change and uh, we will be strong enough to present our um, media, our standpoint, 
that when we talk media nowadays, it's mainly the Western media, but maybe there is something to watch in our part of Europe too, because really good initiatives are being born. Yeah, actually, I'm talking actually, about long. B- before before I let Mark uh, ask you about the TV and the digital age, which which I know he's like really curious <laughs> about, <laughs> I, I I want to just just further on like so you said you've been on these trainings and people wanted to learn and was it like was it like everyone so or or, or did you feel like the editor in chief like uh, s- selected a few who he or she sent for a training and or, or was it like the young ones or older ones like what what what's your like take on this it always depended on newsrooms and but usually the editors were choosing the online teams which i was always saying it's terrible if you have a print newspaper and online journalists take both of them because at some point there will the print ones will also need to work on online or they already do Uh, but there were different newsrooms. For example, Rzeczpospolita in Poland, they invited also the older generation journalists, which meant that we needed to do basic stuff like very slowly. But they are in touch with me all the time and saying how he- thankful they were because they learned some digital skills they never learned in their life. Um, there were newsrooms like Radio Romania that invited like 50 people or that public TV in Serbia, that the, the, the training rooms were full. But usually, yes, indeed, those were people selected by um, the editors-in-chief and mainly people from the online. And I think this should be more broadly promoted to, to come to those meetings on, also for, if you're from the so-called traditional media. And just two, do, two do, more, do. sorry, Mark, just two more things I want to stress, like what you said, like the journal, journalism schools around here are not good and need like a, a, a like big upgrade in, in terms of what they are like teaching. I totally agree. Went to like the, the journalism school. I, I went to several actually uh, over here and uh, yeah, it's, it's, you, you just can't, you, you only can see the, the print legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in in the journalism schools and the digital schools are something like which is considered to be extra yeah or uh, worse like, or, or worse yeah mm-hmm. of course and another things like the the collaboration i tot- totally agree there's like uh, i'm really looking forward to what you said i don't yeah. know what it is i can tell you uh, <laughs> if you when, can tell us then bro- when, go are, ahead. when are you broadcasting this um uh, when, when so are you it's, putting the it's next next week. Yeah, uh, so is... I can tell you. Um, this week, actually, um, Fundacja, where I work for, Fundacja Reporterów, and uh, where I'm um, uh, responsible for trainings, and um, some more organizations like the Center for Investigative Journalism in Czech Republic and Atlatcho in Hungary, they're starting a project called the V-Square, um, and they're going to publish investigative journalists. Uh, at the beginning, it's going to be mainly the Russian influence uh, in our region. And this is so important because usually our newsrooms work on Russian influence, for example, only by themselves. And they don't see some specific patterns that are happening in the whole region. So I think it's really important that those journalists got together and they're going to publish. I think they're going to start publishing um, beginning of October, so sometime soon. 
Wow. So, so you guys, you who are listening to this podcast, you already the project is It's out there. Probably, so yes. Go and like yeah. search for it. The square, like the victory, and square, like square, written together. Dot org. And I love this initiative because it's. I've been always saying like there are a couple of issues like Russian influence or any other like um, I don't know um, extremism, populism. You can understand it only if you look at some specific patterns happening in various countries, not just in your own country. Cool. <laughs> uh, when you were talking about like when you came into the newsrooms and you work either with pre-selected online teams or with the traditional um, journalists, I'm really wondering what your experiences are there because you said it, it works and you need more time and does modern company in your eyes have the time and the money to like transfer all traditional journalists into like a new digital state or isn't it easier to like put much into um, schools and I don't universities who make the make the new journalists yeah <clears throat> I think it should start with journalism schools um, because that's the future like if somebody goes to study journalism and finishes in four years time or five years time they will mainly work in the digital so they need to be more aware of how to do it recently just uh, a funny story a, a student uh, called me and she said like you know we need to talk to you we need to do a revolution in our university And I started laughing because uh, I was laughing that I tried to do a revolution many, many years ago and it didn't work out. So why would it now? But they said, like, the thing is we're having classes, for example, multimedia classes, whatever multimedia classes are like. Um, and we're watching Zelik, the movie, and they want us at the end of the course to do a movie like Zelik. And uh, this was like terrible. You cannot do the second Zelik, of course, but mainly they don't learn any tools uh, they don't go to learn mobile journalism for example they just watch movies and they read books and that's what they earn so if they really want to go in the job market uh, they need to learn the skills because um, for example there are still many journalists who are not digital uh, and they will not be good in digital but they could be paired with those young people and uh, And do something really cool in a new innovative way only because they are they are working with young people who understand their peers and know how to talk to their peers but then when it comes to the newsrooms i think it's it should like um yes that the, they should train their journalists no matter if they are traditional ones or the or the digital ones uh, at some point we might we might all end up uh, in some form of digital and uh Why lose experienced journalists who have always worked in the paper or have always been worked behind a camera? Why lose them if they have so much experience? And why lose them because only they're not uh, literate when it comes to digital? So I would say it would be good if in every actually company there was some training department. Uh, and I know it costs money, but it's not that huge money. And even Google News Lab, they do trainings for free. And you don't have to pay for that. So if they're coming, why are you limiting the teams? I, I could not understand that, to be honest. Yeah, I can understand it either. But um, as you say, I think it's an issue of money. 
and that's what I feel. And uh, I mean, we are public broadcaster, but I know that the amount of money we can spend for anything like going to conferences or whatever um, is very limited. And that's a shame because there are many, many people who actually want to do trainings and to go to conferences. And that's really a shame. Um, but I never find a way, and maybe you have a tip for me, how to convince your traditional journalist colleagues um, that that's what you're doing is good for the first thing. I I think they sometimes see and sometimes know, but they still believe, and I think that's one of the key problems, they still believe that um, their media will exist in the way it exists now, just for the next years or the, the rest of their of their job lives? I don't know. I, I probably don't have one good advice, but I always tell this story, two stories, actually. One is, a sto both are connected to me, but one is just about myself. So when I started working as a freelancer, uh, I was a TV person and being a TV person and a freelancer who's doing just long form documentaries is really, really hard. It's not the same thing as you write a story and sell it to anyone, like producing a TV report that is at least 20 minutes is really tough. So at some point I realized that if I really want to make life out of journalism, I need to learn new skills. The market was changing already and so I started, there were no courses back then, but I started educating myself, uh, learning the new tools, reading a lot about it, experimenting and so on. And soon I managed to provide trainings also on some of digital skills. And then Google also hired me because I had skills that no one taught me. I had just the skills I taught myself. So this is like, um, first of all, a good job opportunity. But if you know that kind of tools, skills, you will be do better on the market. And another story is that back on television, I also worked with a journalist who is one of the best crime reporters in Poland, uh, who could be my dad, or actually he's even a bit older than my dad. Um, and while working with us, uh, younger generation, he was learning a lot. He was observing, he was learning how you can use phone. He was even learning what Facebook is for, um, how to promote your work, how to promote your activities. And right now he um, he will soon probably retire, uh, but even you know retirement will mean for him being able to share his uh, journalism still not in the newsroom but somewhere on the new media. So I say like I don't think that within our generation or not even in the next generation the traditional media will not be totally over, but it will be sure different, and um, not to get frustrated and not to get less paid uh, we should learn that it's like it's the main driving force I think um, you don't have to be a perfect uh, like being a journalist doesn't mean that you need to be able to make timelines you don't need to be able to make maps but maybe you should know at least the basic and know what the possibilities are uh, you should know how to use social media uh, both for promoting your work and for for your safety online safety so i'd say go for it if you want to have a living out of journalism and to have fun and to yeah to ha get better opportunities i sometimes got the feeling that even though there is transition and change like in radio for example um you now need to think about how you get your news 
even if they're spoken or read by um, by an assistant, um, how do you get them to Google Home, to the HomePod, or to like Alexa? And I I get the feeling that everyone is still thinking that it's still radio, but basically it's audio in the internet, and they don't get that we actually all need to work together like that it's not like their media versus our media versus their media and so on but um basically we all do the same but only on a visual or audio level or whatsoever that's i find really hard because it's always about does this belong to us or does this belong to you you know it's still what exactly what you're saying like why should i bother how it will look on my website i'm just writing the story so yes, uh, or why should I bother about some Google Home? I'm just a reporter. No, actually we should, uh, although this is also a problem in many media here in the region that the teams, different meets, they never work together, they never meet. That's why I love hackathons so much. During mm. hackathons, you really see how people find, sometimes people from one newsroom finally meet developers or graphic designers, they never meet them. They discover new creativity and they discover the power of working together. And this is really cool. That is. And we had two very nice ladies from Hacker Story on this podcast. And um, yeah, they love the idea. That's what they do for a living. So it's quite a, quite a nice way to get to know like new people and new ideas. And I, I mean, uh, even when you mix like um, media journalists, like say um, you have a radio or a TV and like a, an online journalist, um, there is some development and some some tension and that's actually good for the stories. But I think it happens um, not very often. Yeah. But I don't know how, how that is in Poland or in Slovakia or in... No, I don't it's know, just the every, same. It's, if, I, I'm <laughs> afraid it's even worse. Um, so like... Um, the writers you talked to Kuba Gurnitsky, I know, and they are yes. an example of uh, people actually out of outside of media because most of them have never worked in mainstream, especially media. But they got together and they experimenting people of different skills. Some are good in photos, some are good in audio, some are good in storytelling, and others in development. And they just experimenting together. Um, of course, there's usually in the big newsrooms, there's no time for that. But I think it makes um, sense trying and, um, and delivering something good and new to the people. Because people really want good stories. I have one question that I'd like to um, answer you both. And um, there is... For us, like we do, what we do with our online team, um, we see that like background stories and not so much fast-paced news kind of work. And would you say that there will be a shift, or that there is already a shift from fast-paced online news, like like Twitter Twitter tweets, or back uh, to like very big analysis, long reads? um and so on you know is there is there a change of reception is there again more more time and place for like long articles in, in newspapers but only read online or in multimedia 
uh, ways like the Peter Sagan story we often talked about that uh, David's newsroom did. So if I was, maybe, can I answer first? Yes, yeah, yeah of, look, course. Look, of course. Look at Twitter. They're just experimenting from 140 to 280 letters. <coughs> of course, it's still no long form, but some kind of experiment. Uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that there are going to be more and more in-depth, long-form stories, uh, analysis. Uh, uh, I think, like, of course, it's not going to be uh, as popular as clickbait, popular gossip stories um, and quick news. Uh, but it's both the need of journalists and the need of readers to, need some, to read something more in-depth. And um, when I first read the stories at V-Square, which I talked about, and I was like, oh my gosh, how many letters, like, how long is this? And then I was just reading it because it was interesting, but it was different. And uh, you just take your time on Saturday and you wait to read it. And um, for example, in Poland, many of the websites, uh, news websites, created uh, their weekly editions. So during the week, they have like special magazines, it's at TVN24, it's at uh, Virtualna Polska. Um, so, uh, and they offer long form stories then. So, uh, and they are pretty popular. So I think the readers want it. Uh, they want intelligent, uh, wise journalism. Okay. David, what's your take on it? Um, I, I don't have like a smart answer as Beata. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I think it's just about what you think or feel and not so much about if you can save and explain digital journalism for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think there will al always, al always be like a, a really fast, uh, you know, journalism that, that like, like daily news as we do here at my newsroom. Um, I see people going for for like long forms as well. But uh, if you remember, we talked about this uh, with the Hacker Story guys. Mm. So so they said like uh, analyze your audience and and you will see that there are times that uh, the same person wants something else. So like it's something else you want in the morning and it's something else you want during the weekend or something else you want in the evening. And I think. Uh, I, I would love to see the future going uh, in the way, you know, uh, the, the personalization path of, of the content I'm, I'm getting. So, you know, different kinds of stories that are suited for the uh, time of day or time of week. But I, I believe that, like, especially short news like uh, tweets, uh, radio news, and so and so on, will be done by um, artificial intelligence soon. I mean, why? If if you like examine a very short um, like news piece with let's say four sentences, you always got uh, the big questions: where, who, what, when, and yeah and why and when you got like a press release from the police or so um, a computer could easily like examine it and like change it and, and write news so uh, the journalists could use their powers <laughs> for like in-depth and analysis and like talking to people um, comment and so on and also podcasts are such a great example 
because they're like we're again listening to podcasts it seemed like at some point that podcasts are dead and so many people think that long form is dead whereas no people are back to reading long form and newsrooms are doing long form and uh, if you think of average time of people watching YouTube, it's 40 minutes. Of course, that's different videos, but sometimes they also watch long videos. So, yeah, I, I'm not saying, of course, like um, what will be still winning will be short videos, short news articles and so on. But there is a big group of people who um, want to read in depth. And actually, I think uh, to pay for in depth reporting and long-form reporting. Why would I pay for short news? Uh, but uh, long-form and analysis, they always has the, have this vibe of uh, much more work being done and uh, much more investment that we could like put some our mon- of our, our money into it. Yeah, that's, that's actually what I think. And I don't know if it will happen like in the areas where we live like first, <laughs> but um, there will be some examples. Everyone has their uh, like lighthouse projects, uh, which are like very, very special. Um, is there is there anything in Poland what would you say is like the like the innovator of digital journalism in your country? Um, I, I still I still think it's not that when you look at first sight it doesn't look that innovative but then um, there are a couple of newsroom experimenting so for example it's on it uh, the web uh, portal that actually have created uh, the news app that is considered to be one of the best news apps uh, in European newsrooms um, there is um, TVN experimenting with different websites of theirs and uh, also this weekly magazine uh, which is doing great and also they have um, a crowdsourcing project Contact24 which is actually exceptional because they have 90,000 subscribers who send them materials over time so this is really amazing. Uh, then there is Outriders by Kuba Gurnitsky. Uh, then there yeah. are a couple of other initiatives that are trying to experiment. So by innovation, I don't always mean that you don't always see um, innovation on the first side. So for example, on it, they have this big innovative team that is working all the time for personalization, for making the app better. Uh, if you go to their websites, you would never notice that innovation there, but it's actually happening. Uh, so sometimes this innovation is hidden and you don't even know about it, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just visited the Onet's website. I mean, it looks nice, but I would like... You would never say it's innovative, right? No, yeah. it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be my first thought. No way. It's like, it looks like... I don't know, like if you uh, know the sites of like Gazeta, and so like it's a li- looks a little bit different, but like there there's not a big sign like we are innovative. Yeah, but don't, <laughs> is, is it's more about their app because the app is really good and uh, it also started using sound um, a lot. And uh, uh, but a thing sometimes this innovation is something you don't notice. It's the way. You get the ads, it's the way you get the personalized um, data information. Uh, 
So I'm always actually telling the newsroom, uh, when you think of innovation, don't, don't think it has to be fireworks that everyone has to see. <laughs> Sometimes it just can be something you see in the newsroom, maybe something that makes the workflow easier. Uh, this is also innovation. Absolutely. And I feel that when I go to like conferences and so on, and people tell about their projects, their ideas, and then you talk to journalists about it afterwards, they always say, like, what's so innovative about this? And I sometimes think that we as digital journalism have to, like, or maybe it's not, not true, but maybe have too high expectations. And let's say that everything has to be like very innovative, but... I mean, when it comes down to the pro product, it has to be like always a story well told um, with good graphics and good sounds. Yeah, good to navigate and it's actually basically down very down to earth. Um, do you, do you think that that it's a, a problem of the of of our kind that our expectations are too high when it comes down to innovation? I think so. But sometimes we. Because this innovation word is very important and big and everyone is talking innovation. But then what we lose is that this innovation needs to work for somebody. So it either needs to work for journalists and bring them benefits, but mainly it has to work for our audiences. And we can invent the most crazy ideas and put them into action, but then our readers will reject it. That's what um, I remember, like um, the New York Times started um, experimenting with different formats and so on. And then they ca came to the conclusion that people want to scroll. And that's actually, you know, you can think of many things. But in the end, if you, um, uh, that's why so user design is so important as well. But we should always think innovation in terms of the end a uh, person that gets this innovation. So uh, experimenting is fun, but in the end it should be experimenting that doesn't uh, put our readers back from us. It cannot, like, I know that uh, creating some, like a saying, creating fireworks is cool, but what if no one pays attention to this fireworks and pays no attention to content? Also, that's another thing that some people are so into the innovation that they stop thinking about content. And whatever you do in journalism, still content is the most important thing. So fireworks come later. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the feeling is great when someone says you did a great oh, job. Of course. Plus, I've never seen this before. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> but it's also as good if somebody tells you, oh, this story was so good, right? It's just as, as good as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know. But because even like, as I, as I told you, I quit my first job because I felt I'm not developing. And that development was not only about stories, but also the way I could film them. So, of course, yeah. I didn't go to innovation because uh, it's hard to go on innovation very much in television, but new ways of storytelling, new, some way of showing the reports in a different way. Uh, of course, it's so fun that you can do it and someone says it was good. It always feels good. I have a friend and uh, one of her colleagues was actually a guest of this podcast before I was um, doing it with David, but uh, when Henrik was back there, uh, Susanne Dickel and a friend of mine, and they are doing like, for example, the uh, 360 or virtual reality videos. 
Um, the thing is, they don't just use the technology because they can use it, but they always use it in a very clever way to to tell the story. And they also could tell the stories like uh, in a normal uh, two-dimensional way, but they decide to to do it like this, and they use it in a very clever way, I think. And there are many, many examples uh, for using 360 cameras for like everything, but it wasn't thought through. So it's probably a mixture of both. But uh, what I wanted to say is that they still um, have a very big part of thinking into the how is the story going? What do we wanted to uh, to say? What do we wanted to um, experience or the user experience? And that's actually the way to go. Which newsroom is that? Um, it's called Into VR. It's um, a, a little. Is it a startup, David? Do you do you remember um, Susanna? Uh, I, th I, th I think they they don't longer consider themselves a uh, startup. They like, uh, I, I I guess she she said like they're like uh, in in the process of becoming a regular company, um, and I'm not sure they were a startup when we talked to them at the yeah, time. The so they had a lot of projects going on with uh, different newsrooms. Yeah, and Martin Heller, the one of the one of the founders of of this was head of video at Die Welt from Axel Springer. So he also they oh he is he still is head of video innovation and he's always uh always trying new stuff with video. I remember them being like the first ones to use all the live stuff like Periscope and what what's what's whatsoever. And yeah, it's uh, it's nice to check it out because they they can 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 tell stories, but not only because they use the, te uh, the like the technical stuff, but also because they can. It's also tell stories. Uh, I, um, the American P uh, Frontline at PBS, which is one of the most traditional uh, investigative journalism documentary series. Um, they started um, experimenting also with three hundred sixty video and. I think that their stories are what VR uh, 360 is about, that uh, you still pay attention mainly to the story, not just to the way you tell it. So I also truly recommend their 360 stories because they're really, really good. And a great example, actually, I always, during when I was teaching 360 video, uh, I was always showing those uh, films because they're the perfect way how you should be filming. Nice. I, I hate to be the bad guy again. But you are, you always <laughs> are. <laughs> but but we are running out of our time uh, for for this uh, episode. So uh, probably one last question mark. For, oh, for if if I ask another question uh, into a topic I want to go in, I think you would need another <laughs> twenty minutes yeah. for me to explain. I'm sorry, I, I told you in advance, but I'm a talker. <laughs> I can talk and talk. <laughs> it's no problem. It's no I, problem. I guess that's the best kind of guest for a podcast. So <laughs> Absolutely. So, so so that's great. <laughs> let's uh, let's agree to do this again and talk about all the other stuff we had on okay. our agenda <laughs> that we couldn't manage to talk about. Yeah, that would be actually great because you said like uh, you're back in TV and running some projects when we were uh, preparing, uh, you know, like scheduling this this uh, interview, this podcast recording. You said like, oh, you're working on some projects and it will be like uh, interesting to talk about them like later on. Yeah. So let's, we can let's get do back that. to that. Yes, yeah. let's let's do that. And uh, after 
hopefully you will not be like super busy and you will have the time to talk about it no. <laughs> yeah, in, Gen in january 2019 <laughs> <laughs> no i hope i can make it earlier no i would be most happy <laughs> to talk again but when we develop nice. it a bit more And maybe we uh, also meet at another conference in Europe. I hope um, so. We, we always talk about going to Perugia next year. Yes, I'm dreaming of going to Perugia finally as well. Everyone's dreaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I But, hope uh, also... Yeah. Let's all meet in Perugia exactly. in 2018. That's the promise. <laughs> nice. And maybe another Google News um, Impact Summit. Summit, yes. Or whatsoever. Um, maybe we'll make it. And yeah, we mentioned... I think two episodes into the interview episode with uh, Susanne Dickel and the Hacker Story. Uh, you can always listen to them on our SoundCloud profile, on iTunes, on Google Play Music. If you're like in the US or have a VPN and love to use Google. Um, and what else to say, David? I don't know. <laughs> It's been a while. It is Hello. appeared. He disappeared again. Okay, um, so sorry I guys. I, oh, I there, our, there you. Are. Our editor in chief like come in and she she needed something. <laughs> and she didn't want to be she didn't want to be on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I just uh, you were recording uh, just, at work. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, said uh, what we all have like SoundCloud and so on. So you can close with our final words as you want. Okay, so it's it's been really great talking to you, Beata. Thank and, you. Uh, as we as we always say in this podcast, uh, be sure to always check your facts, guys. And yeah, till next time. Bye bye. Thank you. That's it for today. Bye. bye. Thank you very much, Beata. Thank bye. you, guys. Bye.